Due to the graphic nature of this urban legend, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes a graphic depiction of a car accident. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Sure, she's pretty, but that's not why you agreed to give her a ride. You did it out of the goodness of your heart. She's distant, but polite, insists on sitting in the back seat. You flirt a little as fog rolls in, covering the asphalt. She stays mostly quiet, telling you to watch the road. Suddenly, a horn blares. A truck looms out of the fog. Tires squeal. You throw the steering wheel to the side, but it's both too far and not far enough. You slam into the guardrail at top speed. When the world stops spinning, you look into the back seat. The woman is gone. Was she ever really there at all? Welcome to Haunted Places, a ParCast original. I'm Greg Polson. Every Thursday, we take you to the scariest, eeriest, most haunted, real places on Earth and share their stories. This episode is part of our Urban Legends Halloween special. Every day for the month of October, we're presenting our spooky spin on an urban legend, then diving into the history of the horror. Like it or not, each terrifying tale contains a grain of truth. You can find episodes of Haunted Places and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Haunted Places for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Haunted Places in the search bar. At Parcast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. Listen to more episodes of Haunted Places and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Today, we examine one of the most iconic urban legends of all time, The Vanishing Hitchhiker. There are more variations on this tale than there are highways in America, but the broad shape remains the same. It begins with an act of kindness on the road and ends with an eerie revelation. The Vanishing Hitchhiker is one of the oldest and most enduring urban legends we'll explore, with the protagonist's mode of transportation shifting to fit the time and setting of its current audience. They travel alone down an isolated road by car, carriage, or horseback. As night falls, they come across a destitute pedestrian heading in the same direction. Against their better judgment, and out of the kindness of their heart, they offer the stranger a ride. Before long, it becomes clear that there's something a little off about the passenger. They may offer a prophecy, encouragement, or a warning, or they might not speak at all. But 
They won't be in the car by the end of the ride, whether or not the driver reaches their destination alive. Seven days on the road was a small price to pay for a new life. Helena told herself that over and over as she drove until her eyes hurt. All of the scenery blended together. She couldn't remember which state she was in half the time. She might have given up or turned back long ago if it weren't for the postcard taped to her dash. The image of the Golden Gate Bridge stretched over the clear blue waters of San Francisco Bay beckoned her to her final destination, California, the land of dreams. She was disciplined about her gas economy, but Helena herself was running on fumes. More than once, she passed her exit for the night, only to have to loop back 10 to 20 miles to find the budget hotel she'd booked. Tonight, all she wanted to do was lie down, but every delivery option the little Arizona town had to offer was something she'd already eaten in the past few days. So even though she was truly tired, she decided to take the desk clerk's diner recommendation. Her legs were horribly sore from the constant shifting between the accelerator and the brake, but they could take a few more blocks. It wasn't a few more blocks. It was 12 miles down an unlit road bordered by cacti and strange rock formations that seemed to shift the moment they left the glare of Helena's headlights. But she was too stubborn and too hungry to turn back. Her left eye had begun to twitch on day two, and had only gotten worse. She was determined to push through the sensation, but it did mean that sometimes she missed a light or a stop sign too fixated on the feeling in her eye to pay attention to the road. As she rubbed her eye, her car started to veer. Belatedly, she pulled the wheel in the other direction. It was only then that she saw him. There was a man staring at her from the edges of the road, a tall, gaunt figure in a hood. Helena slowed to a stop. She was lucky she'd seen him at all, a few more seconds of distracted driving, and her car would have hit him full force. His body would have floated in the wind like a child's toy before landing with a deafening crack, broken bones and internal bleeding, if she was lucky. If she wasn't lucky, his haunted eyes would have stared up at her as she made the decision to stay and await the consequences or just leave him there as he died. But she'd been lucky, and he walked up to her car. The man tapped gently on the window, then pulled back the hood on his dark poncho to reveal an oily mess of brown hair. His frame was long, and his hands were almost cartoonishly large. She didn't want to talk to him, but she felt she didn't have a choice. She had come close to killing him, after all. His name was Brian. He wasn't mad at her. He just wanted a favor. Helena swallowed thickly before asking what it was, the most dangerous outcomes running through her mind. But he only wanted a ride. Helena knew she was risking becoming the subject line of some badly formatted chain email, like the ones her aunt always sent. 
but she really did feel guilty for losing focus while driving. Maybe having someone else in the car would help her stay awake. She unlocked her car, and Brian slid into the passenger seat. His house was several blocks away, and he had been planning on walking, but fate had nearly run him off the road. Her laugh was strained. She didn't like the casual way that he referred to the near accident, the way he made it sound like it was on purpose. There was a harshness to his tone that didn't sit well with her, but he was already in the car. So she started driving towards his house. He asked her questions along the way about where she lived and what she did for work. She gave him lies rather than answers. He had said they were close by to where he lived, but what she thought would be a 10-minute detour was quickly stretching into a half-hour journey. She asked how much further they had to go. He exploded at her, spitting, eyes bright with fury. She had been the one to try and kill him. She owed him this. Helena apologized for what felt like the millionth time, but Brian kept shouting. She tried to pull over, but he grabbed the wheel, sending them into the other lane of traffic. They were barreling towards a gray car. She tried to pry his hand off the wheel, but his grip was like iron. She tried to overcorrect for his strength, but she couldn't get it to move in the opposite direction. There was nowhere for the gray car to go. The world slowed as she watched the other driver's face shift from anger to fear. They were inching closer and closer together, and there was no way for the other car to get away from them. She hit Brian's arm, trying to get him to stop. He hit her back with his free hand, hard enough that she could feel the imprint of his fingers on her face, a burning sensation through her skin. He grabbed with the other hand, pulling her hair. She screamed in pain as she tried to pull away. The car kept coming. She couldn't let him do this, wouldn't let him do this. Her adrenaline had kicked in. Helena reared her head back and then slammed it into Brian's. Brian swerved, narrowly avoiding a head-on collision. They sideswiped instead, her side mirror smashing to the pavement with a loud, sickening sound. They turned back towards the correct lane of traffic. Helena somehow found the room to breathe. Then, they hit someone. Helena hadn't seen them. Really, she hadn't. But she felt the resistance of the car plowing through another object and heard the crunch of bones cracking, just like they did in the movies. Brian let go of the wheel. Helena yanked it hard, sending them towards the shoulder of the road. She pulled over. From her rearview mirror, she could see the car they'd sideswiped disappearing into the night. The driver hadn't bothered to stop, but there was something else. A lump in the shape of a human laying in the road. Brian was muttering to himself, something about Helena now knowing how he had felt this morning. She took a deep breath and turned off the car. Brian grabbed her arm. He told her they should keep going. His house was only a few blocks away. She wrenched her arm out of his hold and got out of the car. Reality was much worse than her imagination. 
She had pictured Brian's body crumpled like a discarded piece of paper, all his major injuries on the inside. But that wasn't the case with the stranger lying in the middle of the road. Even from a distance, she could see where gravel had ripped and torn his limbs. One of his legs was already a deep shade of purple from the internal bleeding. Helena's stomach churned as she got closer to him. The asphalt was slick with blood and maybe brain matter. She didn't want to think about it. The twitch in her eye worsened. The stranger's body was moving, just slightly, but enough to give her hope. There was something familiar about the stranger's shape. Parts of their body were bloated, but the frame was similar to something she had seen before. Their hair was matted with blood. Helena thought she could see a flash of white bone through the torn skin. Helena knelt down next to the body. From this angle, she could finally get a good look at the person she and Brian had hit. She stared for a long moment, trying to make sense of what she was seeing. His hair was dark and oily, his body mangled, his long arms and large hands at least partially shattered. The man was no stranger at all. It was Brian. Coming up, Helena faces the consequences of her late night drive. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. 21 hours into her cross-country move, Helena had nearly hit a pedestrian with her car. Guilt had crawled under her skin and the pedestrian, Brian, had taken advantage of that. He asked her for a ride and then peppered her with questions. When she tried to enforce her personal boundaries, he grew angry. He grabbed the wheel, pushing them into the other lane of traffic and into the path of another speeding car. Helena managed to wrench back control and pulled them back into the right lane, but she overcompensated. A man came out of nowhere and her car sent him flying. She'd narrowly avoided hitting another car by running over someone else. Someone who looked nearly identical to Brian. Helena didn't want to keep staring at the corpse, but she was afraid to look away. The entire world had been blurring before her eyes for the last couple of days. She was finally wide awake but she wasn't sure what was reality and what wasn't. He didn't look like the images that had raced through her brain earlier. Everything was messier than she'd expected. She had wondered what she would do when presented with this choice, to report the accident or not, to call or not to call. She'd never wanted the answer, to weigh her own safety and freedom against someone else's. But as she watched, his body started to decompose. It turned yellow, then green. His features 
bloated, and then parts of him began to disintegrate. His limbs went first, the skin faded away, then the muscles, until there was nothing left but bone. Then bones crumbled into fragments and dust. Brian's torso followed next, his chest, ribcage, and shoulder disintegrating before Helena's eyes. His head was the last part to go. His unseeing eyes stared up at her, the very real version of her former fear. The wind carried the last of the ash and bone dust away. The only thing that lingered was the stain on the road. There was no evidence of wrongdoing. Had she been too slow to choose? Was it a sign of forgiveness? Or a test she had failed? Was she losing her mind? There was only one way to know. She walked back to the car and checked the back seat. No one was there. She got in and fastened her seatbelt, trying to compose herself. She nearly jumped out of her seat as a voice spoke behind her. It was Brian, curled up in the back seat, looking melancholy. He asked her again, why did she stop? She just stared at him. He told her that people didn't normally stop. She paused. If there had been a witness, the best Helena could hope for was a charge of vehicular manslaughter. No one would believe that Brian had just randomly grabbed the wheel. She barely believed it. She checked her rearview mirror again. The body was still gone. Brian screamed. His body was changing in front of her. Part of his torso had already been eaten through leaving a giant hole in his chest where she could see straight through to the worn fabric of her seats. His fingers turned black, freezing into a claw shape. He lunged for her. She tried to move out of the way, but she still felt his flesh graze her neck, gritty and hard against her own skin. Brian's hand moved back, the tips of his fingers liquefied, dripping onto the floor of Helena's car. He tried to lunge for her again, but she was ready this time. She ducked her body down low. Brian yelled at her to make this stop. His skin went first, then the muscles, leaving a web of vessels and nerves. Helena couldn't move. She couldn't breathe. She didn't understand what was happening. Brian claimed this was all her fault. Maybe she had hit him with her car. She wasn't sure anymore. The smell of rotting meat was overpowering. She tried to open her door, but it was stuck. Brian lunged for her again. This time, he made full contact. The mangled pieces of his hands strained to lock tightly around her throat. She slammed on the car horn. It didn't deter Brian. He kept squeezing, even as his body started to flicker in and out of reality. He was there one instant, and then gone the next. She pulled and yanked and screamed, refusing to give up. She thrashed until her ears rang. When she finally stopped, 
she realized she could breathe again. Brian was gone. If he had ever existed at all. The behavior and explanation of The Vanishing Hitchhiker morphs and changes from century to century, but the vagabond passenger always disappears before the driver reaches their destination. The word driver can be used loosely here because the story is almost as old as roads themselves. The earliest recorded instance comes from a section of the New Testament Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 39, where an Ethiopian chariot driver unknowingly picks up the Apostle Philip along the road. The Apostle baptizes him and then disappears. Another precedent comes in the form of the Phantom Rider tale, popular in the rural United States in the late 1870s. In this version of the story, a young man would find a beautiful girl in the remote woods, looking for an escort on horseback. When they got to her intended destination, the rider would discover that the girl was gone. She had actually died months or even years before. Another take comes from Russia, circa 1890. A priest approaches a man at his home, telling him he's been asked by a woman to administer last rites to her son. The man is confused and insists that he lives alone. The priest recognizes the woman who hired him in a family photo. The woman he spoke to is dead. The man is her son, and he dies that night. This version of the tale highlights another of the vanishing hitchhiker's recurring motifs. The dead passenger's destination is the home where they spent their life. While it appears in both the Russian and American versions, this element of the story may actually be an import from Korea, where there is a persistent urban legend warning cab drivers to not pick up lone women outside of crematoriums. In the Korean tale, when a cabbie gets the mysterious woman to her destination, he will usually wait on the street while his passenger goes inside to get her money. The driver becomes impatient and follows only to recognize the dead woman's face in a memorial portrait on her parents' wall. Ultimately, the vanishing hitchhiker maintains its place in folklore because of its flexibility. Its intimate scale and ultimately low fallout makes the story difficult to both prove and disprove. While many urban legends are about caution, the vanishing hitchhiker can also be a way to comfort people in times of crisis. A version of the legend that made the rounds during World War II involves the mysterious hitchhiker warning the driver about Pearl Harbor. It's unclear if the vanishing hitchhiker ever really means us good or ill, but that doesn't make encounters with them any less terrifying. It can be scary operating a motor vehicle at the best of times, Add in a ghost, and you've got an accident waiting to happen. Or perhaps one that already has. Thanks again for tuning into Haunted Places. We'll be back tomorrow with a new urban legend, and on Thursday with a new haunted place. 
You can find more episodes of Haunted Places and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all your favorite ParCast originals, like Haunted Places, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Haunted Places on Spotify, just open the app and type Haunted Places in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. Until tomorrow, don't believe some of the things you hear. Believe all of them. Haunted Places was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, with sound design by Kenny Hobbs. Production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Liebeskind. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Haunted Places was written by Lil D. Ritter and Jennifer Richet. I'm Greg Polson. <laughs>